Sunday. Jesus has rolled back the stone. He walked out of the grave. He is alive. Because of that, we can spend eternity with him. Amen? Let's celebrate together.
All right, all right. Hey, so good, guys. Hey, happy Easter, church. Happy Easter, guys. I'm so excited whether you're joining us here in person this morning or watching online. We are glad that you are celebrating the best Sunday of the year right here with us today. Hey, if you guys could, though, do me a favor, whether this is your first time hanging out or you were practically born here, all right? Take a second and fill out what we like to call the Virtual Connect card. There's a couple ways you can do that for us. Number one, if you have the North Point app, Pop that open right now and click where it says Virtual Connect Card. There's a very small form to fill out. It's incredibly helpful for us to know you're here. It's also great for you to stay connected that way. So connect with us by either going to on the app or you can simply text the word GUEST to 833-CHAT-NCC. We'll send you a text message back with that very same form. But just take a second, if you would, fill that out. Let us know that you are worshiping here today. It'd be so, so helpful. Hey, next week, we're going to start a, a new series called Old School Teachings That Still Makes Sense. We're going to dive into the Old Testament and see how uh, God was moving, the things that Jesus was doing. So be sure to put that on your calendar. Join us as we jump into that new series next week. It's going to be so, so worth it. Uh, another thing that we want to encourage you guys to do, and that is to uh, worship through our giving this morning. Uh, we know that God is our provider, that everything that we have comes from him. And so we get to worship every week by giving back to him. And we know some people have set up just a recurring gift, but man, we want to just take a second this morning and just let God know, hey, thank you. Thank you for being our provider. Thank you for conquering death. Thank you for taking care of my every single need that I have. And so we get to do that every week uh, by our giving. And you can do that by uh, giving cash or checking the boxes back there. You can give on the North Point app or simply text the word give to 833-CHAT-NCC. Um, and just take a second and worship through your giving as well right there. Uh, one more thing as we encourage, if you don't have that North Point app, you've heard me mention it a few times, uh, you can download that by simply texting the word app to 833-CHAT-NCC. We'll send it back to you for Android uh, or iPhone users, whatever you have, but it's a great way to stay on the announcement section and see everything that's happening and also to follow along this morning where it says this week's talk with what Rick is getting ready to bring up here. So uh, we're gonna go ahead and we're just gonna dive into it. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. The church has been saying that for 2,000 years. So cool. So glad that you're here in the house. So glad that you're watching at home. Uh, it's just really good to be able to celebrate the empty tomb. But if I want to be real honest with you this morning, I got to tell you, I'm worn out. Uh, a pastor isn't supposed to be worn out on Easter Sunday, right? But I, I, I am. I mean it. I, I'm, I'm tired. I, the kind of tired that makes you want to go home and hop in bed and pull the covers over your head and have no more monkeys jumping on the bed. You know that 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 kind of tired. Why, why am I worn out? I, I think for the same reason you are. Not because I stayed up too late last night watching the Final Four. Not because I binge watched Wandavision this week. Not because I was out working in the yard. Uh, not because of too many Zoom calls. I'm worn out because for the last 14 months, we've been battling an enemy that we can't touch or see. An enemy that we know is out there, but we're not exactly sure where. An enemy that's broken up families and friendships and sucked the life out of us. That enemy has permeated every newscast, every sporting event, every holiday, every family gathering, every trip to the restaurant. I'm worn out. If there's any comfort in that confession, it's this. I know I'm not alone. We're not alone. We're not the only ones to carry a burden. We're not the only ones who want to run from our circumstances at times. What do you think it was like for the followers of Jesus 2,000 years ago? Jesus came riding into the capital city like a conquering hero. Four days later, he's celebrating the Passover feast with his closest friends, um, a day that was filled with with holy traditions that the, that the group had celebrated since the time that they were young. 
But that night was different, right? Jesus washed their feet. He taught them with an intensity like no other. And then he took the disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And it was there in the garden that everything blew up and fell apart. The disciples were asleep. They had fallen asleep in the process. And Jesus wakes them up with this angry mob coming into the garden to arrest Jesus. In their fatigue, the disciples lose their bearings. They, they're not sure what's going on. They get scared and they go into fight or flight mode, right? Peter takes out his sword and he's ready to defend Jesus. But Jesus talks to the mob and admits very openly that he's the guy that they're looking for. The mob is momentarily silenced and stunned. They just take a step back, they fall back. But then they regain their nerve. They get more agitated and they haul Jesus away in a pedestrian kind of paddy wagon as they take him to Caiaphas' house. You know what the disciples do in that moment? The guys who have seen Jesus supernaturally feed thousands, who have seen him walk on water, who have seen him instantaneously heal people, heal cripples and, and uh, leprosy, who, who he's healed blindness, and they've even seen him raise the dead. You know what they do? They panic. They get scared. And they run for their lives. Mark describes the reaction of the disciples like this. The crowd comes and Jesus says to them, Am I leading a rebellion that you've come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts. But you didn't arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone, that means the disciples, everyone deserted him and fled, ran away. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. What made the disciples cut and run that night? They were scared. They were tired. They were emotionally exhausted. They were threatened by the, by the swords, by the clubs, by the torches. They had been woken from a deep sleep. They were worn out. And so it was either fight or flight. And they chose flight. We're not so different, I think, from the disciples. When the pressure's on, when we're backed against the wall, when we're worn out, we run. We run from our problems. We run from our responsibilities. We run from the consequences of the bad decisions that we've made. We've run from horrible things that have happened to us in the past. We run to escape. We don't always run physically, though, right? We run to the refrigerator. We run to the Amazon website. We run to Netflix or Prime. We run to the casino or to alcohol or to drugs that will numb our minds. We run to relationships that are physical but far from intimate. Some of us even run to exercise. But you know, running away never works. It didn't work for the disciples. And it doesn't work for us. You know why it doesn't work, why running away doesn't work? It's because when you stop running, your problems will catch up with you. They will follow you to wherever you are. Once you stop that run, once you stop the escape, your problems are still there. The other reason why it doesn't work is when you run away, you run away from the solution as well. When we look back on the story of Jesus' arrest, we're able to see clearly what the solution was to the disciples' fear. It was Jesus. What was the fix for the disciples' anxiety and, and uncertainty? It was Jesus. What was the solution to the sense of loss that they had to experience when they thought in that night, have we wasted the last three years of our life? The solution was Jesus. But the disciples were afraid and worn out. And when you're worn out, you can't think straight. You can't process information clearly. You can't make sense of literally what's right in front of you. Now, let me set up the events from that first Easter morning. That Thursday night in the garden, the crowd comes and Jesus is arrested. 
he gets interrogated, punched and beaten by the Jewish leaders at the home of Caiaphas. They're there all night long before Caiaphas and the religious leaders decide they do indeed want Jesus executed. And so they send Jesus to Pilate. Jesus goes under guard to Pilate. Pilate can't find anything wrong with Jesus. Um, he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't want to execute him. But he discovers that Jesus is a Galilean. And so he sends him to the, to the Roman governor to Galilee, to Herod. And Jesus goes there. Herod doesn't want to deal with Jesus. And he doesn't want to see him executed. He doesn't want to free him. So he sends him back to Pilate. Um, by now, it's somewhere between 8 and 9 in the morning. And the word about Jesus' arrest has traveled throughout Jerusalem. People start pouring into Pilate's palace, and the mob takes on a life all of its own. The Jewish leaders prime the crowd, and before long, the whole city is calling for Jesus' death. Pilate reluctantly gives in. He has Jesus beaten severely, and Jesus is taken to a hill outside of town, nailed to a cross, and left to die. Around noon, it gets dark in the middle of the day. And by three in the afternoon, it's all over. An earthquake happens. Everyone is scared. And two of Jesus' followers come to take Jesus' body off the cross and, and lay it in the tomb, in a family tomb. As dusk falls that Friday night, all of the Jews gather to celebrate the Sabbath, the, the Sabbath rest. But I, I have to believe that that night and all the next day was anything but restful. Like I said, when you're worn out, you can't make sense of what's going on around you. You can't think straight. You can't process information clearly. John describes it this way, because that was so true of Jesus' followers. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, that's John who's writing this description, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple, John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still didn't understand, though, from the scripture that Jesus had had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. When you read that, there's all kinds of running going on, right? On Thursday night, everybody's running away from the arrest of Jesus. On Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene runs to Peter and John. Peter and John run to the, to the tomb, and they all discover that the tomb is empty. But when you're worn out, you can't think clearly. Mary Magdalene, Peter and John, they all saw the stone rolled away. They all saw Jesus' grave clothes folded up neatly on that, on that stone slab. But Jesus was nowhere to be seen. They couldn't make sense of it. John, in writing later, says about himself that he saw and believed. But... but um, I want to question, I think, the depth of his belief because what do Peter and John do after they see the empty tomb? They go back to where they're staying. If, if you think, if you think the, there's a possibility that your good friend, your mentor, your teacher, your rabbi, the person that you've spent the last three years with that you saw die two days earlier is still alive, what do you do? You don't go back to your house right? You go and look for Jesus anywhere that you can, but Peter and John go back to the house where they're staying. What? It's like, what were they going to do? Hunt for jelly beans that morning? Um, we know that Mary is confused because John describes it. Now, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white 
seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They ask her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. When you're worn out, you can't make sense of even what's right in front of you. Jesus is right there, and Mary doesn't realize it. She couldn't fathom it. She didn't think it was even possible. John goes on. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, Mary said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Mary Magdalene went, with the new, went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord. And she told him that he had said these things to her. By the middle of the morning, the guards have, have gone to the authorities uh, the guards that were posted at the tomb, and they've begun to circulate a story that the disciples have stolen the body. The disciples know that that's not true, that they hadn't done that, but they're not sure what to believe. Mary Magdalene has come and told them that she saw Jesus alive. Peter and John tell them uh, that, that they've gone and seen an empty tomb, but their minds still can't comprehend that their rabbi, their mentor, their friend, who two days earlier was on the cross, is alive. On the evening of the first day of that week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, they still couldn't make sense of it. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. He said, don't be afraid. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw, when they saw the Lord. Finally, when the disciples see Jesus, everything becomes clear. Even in their fatigue, they know what they know, what they know. Jesus is alive because they see him right in front of their eyes and their lives would never be the same. They saw him die on the cross, the perfect sacrifice for sin, the innocent for the guilty, the scapegoat who took the sin of all of us on himself. When they saw him alive, their despair was replaced by hope, their fear replaced by joy, their loss replaced with confidence and boldness, their uncertainty with purpose. So what's the message for us on April 4th, 2021? As that unseen enemy continues to dominate the news and tries to envelop us with fear and isolation and fatigue, the message is run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus and look him in the eyes. Look to him and know that he's alive, that he has overcome the enemy. In the midst of your fatigue, no matter how you feel, no matter how worn out you are, take courage in the reality that Jesus has risen from the dead. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to drag yourself out of bed. You don't have to carry a burden of guilt. You don't have to carry the unending grief of those that you've lost even in this last year by yourself because Jesus is alive. Am I really worn out? Only when I take my eyes off Jesus. Only when I take my eyes off Jesus. The message of Easter is hope and victory and life. It's refreshment. It's renewal. It's purpose that dwarfs a pandemic. It's peace that creates a new perspective full of excitement and anticipation. When you shift your eyes from the enemy and the inconvenience and the pain and the suffering that the enemy has caused, your gaze focuses instead 
on the risen Lord Jesus. And there's a renewed energy that changes everything. The enemy who has robbed our joy, robbed our energy, robbed our security is not a virus. Jesus described the enemy as the one who came to steal and kill and destroy. And Satan did, and he does. He destroyed our savior on the cross, but he didn't know that doing so would result in a victory that we celebrate today and even more that we celebrate when we die, maybe especially when we die, if we know Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Can you look him in the eye? Can you see the risen Savior? That's the question that matters most this Easter. Not do you know about Jesus, but do you know him? One of my, one of my favorite stories is a story that Max Lucado shared a number of years ago that, that I'd like to just share uh, as, the, as the end of our message today. Lucado wrote this. Longing to leave her poor Brazilian neighborhood, Christina wanted to see the world. Discontent with a home having only a pallet on the floor, a wash basin, and a wood-burning stove, she dreamed of a better life in the city. One morning, she slipped away, breaking her mother's heart. Knowing what life on the streets, streets would be like for her young, attractive daughter, Maria hurriedly packed to go find her. On her way to the bus stop, she entered a drugstore to get one last thing, pictures. She sat in the, uh, in the photograph booth, closed the curtain, and spent all she could on pictures of herself. With her purse jammed full of small black and white photos, she boarded the next bus for Rio de Janeiro. Maria knew Christina had no way of earning money. She also knew that her daughter was too stubborn to give up. When pride meets hunger, a human will do things that before were thought unthinkable. Knowing this, Maria began her search. Bars, hotels, nightclubs, any place with a reputation for streetwalkers or prostitutes, she went to them all. And at each place she left her picture, taped on a bathroom mirror, tacked to a hotel bulletin board, fastened to a corner phone booth. On the back of each photo, she wrote a note. It wasn't too long before both the money and the pictures ran out and Maria had to go home. The weary mother wept as the bus began its long journey back to her small village. It was a few weeks later that young Christina descended the hotel stairs. Her young face had aged and was tired. Her brown eyes no longer danced with youth but spoke of pain and fear. Her laughter was broken. Her dream had become a nightmare. A thousand times over, she had longed to trade these countless beds for her secure pallet. Yet the little village was in too many ways too far away. As she reached the bottom of the stairs, her eyes noticed a familiar face. She looked again, and there on the lobby mirror, was a small picture of her mother. Christina's eyes burned and her throat tightened as she walked across the room and removed the small photo. Written on the back was this compelling invitation. Whatever you've done, whatever you've become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? Stop running. Come home. Jesus has already done the work. Just trust him. And yet finding our way back to God is rarely simple or easy. We've been running away from him for too long. Running has become our norm. It's become the way that we live our lives. And Satan doesn't want that to stop. He wants us trapped. He wants us tired. He wants us worn out. He did everything in his power to destroy Jesus. He'll do everything in his power to destroy us, to run us into the ground. But the one thing that he didn't anticipate, that he never expected, 
was, there, was that there was someone that we could run towards and a place that we could run to, an empty tomb. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. There was a battle between that Jesus is alive and that he's conquered sin and death and fatigue and a virus and all of it. God, we thank you that we can walk in your love because of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Jesus is alive. Have a great day. Celebrate the resurrection.